Patricia said that Ulrich had practice, and she would be here as soon as she could. I'm proud of myself. Last time there was a long weekend, I forgot it was Monday, so I didn't show up for the podcast. <laughs> uh, you were you were locked out, weren't you? Last week I was locked out. Last yes. Week. Oh, um, the last long weekend. A couple of months ago, or whenever there was there was a long weekend, I I forgot it wasn't like Saturday or something because I was not going to work. So, but yeah. Mm. Today I remembered it's still Monday, and uh, so I was on Skype for a while. Is it really? It's still Monday. Mm-hmm. It is still Monday. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I was just up. I was up for 22 hours on Wednesday. That was awesome. My flight, my flight got delayed for two hours. So I instead of that. giving getting in at like 11, I got in at one. And I didn't, you know, no, I got in at midnight. I was supposed to get in at 10, and that would have been fine because you know, by mm-hmm. by 10, I, I'm tired. Instead, I got in at midnight, and of course, at that point, you know, it, it takes a while for you to get ready for bed and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was one by the time I went to bed. And was, like I'm laying in bed, I'm just like. In three hours, I, I should be up for, like, my body's telling me, like, in three hours, you're supposed to be up for work. And so, like, I had to spend another, like, hour, like, since I was awake, I'm like, well, I might as well just be up. I'm like, no, but, 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 but I, have, I need to sleep. I have vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was that night. And then last night, um, I was supposed to get here to my apartment at 9.30. I didn't get here, I didn't get here until 10.30. My flight because so <laughs> two delayed flights. So this is the ridiculous thing. Flight seemed to be on time. We were all loaded. We were all fine. And then they they we weren't pulling away from the gate. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And people started complaining. I of course did not complain because mm-hmm. I'm me. Well, and it doesn't. But people started good. complaining. It doesn't. And they finally got in the intercom, and they're like, "Yeah, sorry for not updating you, folks. But there was a fire at the uh, checking counter, and all the electricity was out. They had to evacuate everybody. <laughs> so now that everyone's back in, they had to manually check everybody in, and that took forever. Welcome to Puffla. And then on top of that, um, in O'Hare, not like midway through the trip, but in O'Hare, my bag broke. Ooh, ouch. That's no fun either. No. no. Oh, it, and it was the handle that broke. Mm-hmm. Yeesh. So. A lot harder to carry, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or drag or whatever. Alex, laying on my computer it. is not good. <laughs> but it's warm. It's 100 degrees here. I am to, uh, you know, not fit into the stereotype. Wearing as few clothes as I possibly can today. Except for I have my socks on, I need to take them off because I was wearing my tennis shoes. Because okay, so here's the other PSA: Mom is chainsawing outside, and so my door is open because I'm a little worried that Mom is outside chainsawing that she might get hurt or something. So we could right. possibly be hearing chainsaw noises that I'll just have to try to get out later. But Pofua um, will understand that Mom is more important than good sound quality. Oh, yeah. Yes. There was somebody chainsawing or mowing or something outside my window a little while ago, but they seem to have stopped. Oh, so. but, yeah, and we don't care about them. We not, they're not related to any Pufflinians. No, but they're no. making noise. Mm-hmm. I could ch- I could close the window, I suppose, to you know, podcast lockdown. I love the, like, trying to get, like, whether I was joking or not, that was a joke. Uh-huh. Alex, 
just stepped on the computer and did weird things with Facebook. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what he's just done. <laughs> he's opened new okay. windows. And I'm like, okay, thanks, Alex. But he left, so that's good. Uh, that is good. Hello, Pouncer. <laughs> Pouncer's been very, very clingy. Because mm-hmm. you were gone. So yes. I, I think I said I chopped her head off with a machete. Although, no, that's right. It was his. It was one of the roosters. Never mind. It was the rooster. Yeah. All right. You are right. So I think that's episode 20-something, 23 or something like that. Yeah. Ryan was sort of freaked out. <laughs> Just chopping off their heads. It's fine. Fine. I tell you, fine. So yesterday yeah. was the one-year anniversary of POV Weekly. I had no idea. Yeah, it's weird. Thought we had more time. Alex, go away. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's been going on that long. I know. Just lay down and behave yourself, cat. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking to. Sorry. (laughs) Not that cat. I wouldn't tell you to lay down and behave yourself. I might tell you to behave yourself, but I wouldn't tell you to lay down first. Alex. Oh. Apparently they've started up outside again, so I probably will go close my window just for... I don't hear anything, so you're probably just fine, but if you want to, okay. it's, it's up to you. Just to be safe and sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't think my microphone is really that good, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've got the new mic. Alex, I'm going to kick you out. I really am. He's, like, creeping closer and closer and closer, and if I stop petting him, then he, he lays on top of the computer to get my attention. Because nobody loves you or ever pets you, right? Crazy beast. Well, the chainsaw stopped. I don't know if that's good or bad. But I don't hear screams for help, so I guess we're okay. Or screams of pain. Mm-hmm. Oop, there he goes. My favorite retail guy who gives me um, discounts whenever I go told me today that he was quitting. And I was like, you can't quit. We love you. And not just because he gives me discounts. So he, I got two bags of food and... I asked for three, and he said, is there a problem? And I said, well, I needed three. And he said, I'd only had two. We only have two. We we won't get more till tomorrow. And I said, okay. He said, how much did the guy charge you for? And I said, I don't know. Uh, it was fifty over $50. And he said, oh, I'll just bring your bag out tomorrow. So he's going to deliver me well, another bag. Nice. He's a really nice guy. I like him a lot. I'm sad that he'll be leaving because I'm sure I won't see him anywhere else. Although I did see him at the play the last time we went to we went to one of the musicals at the high school and he was there. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Trisha Lame. is not going to join us. There's something to do with baseball, football, and which is too bad because apparently she had some good stories. Hmm. So, yeah, all I have is the poofo, you know, vacation. Yeah. I did have adventures last week. Did you? Yeah. That's right, you did. Uh, you didn't make the podcast because you were adventuring. <laughs> I realized as I was coming up um, where I live, I'm sort of on the middle floor of the house, and I go down through the basement to get out the back door and then go up some stairs um, into the actual yard. And as I reached the top of those stairs, having closed both doors securely behind me, I realized my keys were still sitting on my desk in here because I did laundry that weekend and took everything out of my pockets. Mm, Never good. Yeah. Because usually I just sort of leave my keys in my pants pocket and then when I put different pants on, I just transfer them in. But I didn't think of it that time. And so, yeah, I I went off to work because I still had my little key for my scooter to work and uh, can always get into I have the little code for the door at work. So all of that was fine. And then 
went through workday, and then I got home again at um, probably quarter after five, so I was going to be a little pressed for time to be early on the podcast anyway, but um, and I realized um, no one else was there yet, and I still had no keys. <laughs> and I sort of looked around the yard in case there were any obvious fake rocks or places under the uh, doormat or whatever where there might be a key, but I didn't find any, and... Uh, I ended up uh, phoning the one lady that I know who also lives on this street in case, um, for one, she knew where there was a key, which I didn't really expect, and she didn't because, you know, it's not her house, and she's mm-hmm. several houses away. She's not, like, right next door or anything. Um, and um, But she thought she might know where my landlady was, and she tried a couple of places and still couldn't find her, so that wasn't working. And, but, you know, it was a nice enough day. I was just going to sit on the bench um at the front of the house and wait for somebody to get home. Um, I also had a frozen pizza that I stopped at the grocery store for that was just sort of sitting there getting settled and not frozen. Mm-hmm. But uh, eventually this other lady phoned back and wondered if I wanted to come wait at her place. And I decided I might as well, and she ended up inviting me for supper. So it actually worked out fairly well as far as I'm concerned, but uh, yeah. I missed all podcasts. <laughs> Oh, well. As it turned out, my land lady was off helping her son um, set some things up at the new place that he'd moved into, and so she didn't come back for some time. And my um, other housemate usually doesn't come back till around 8 anyway, and um, uh, eventually I got back in, so it worked. And I now know where there is a spare key if this happens again. uh, I was going to say, you need to make sure you hide out a spare key just in case. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Those were my adventures last week, but uh, I got a good supper out of it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds Yay. good to me. Sounds good to me, too. Mm-hmm. But I understand you would have covered the first five, six, five chapters of the fic at that point. Of, did you yes. get through them all? We did. We okay. Did, we did pretty well, I think. They're really short. They are short. Yeah. And it's a fun, it's a fun story. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went and I can't remember to what them. my comments were going to be about those stories that about those chapters but oh well <laughs> i'm glad you are enjoying it mm-hmm. i guess we're unless anybody else has other stories to share we might as well actually start the podcast i think we should go ahead scott for friday august 8th this is episode 192 of potter fake weekly welcome to the place where the story never ends hey ronnie the next time you're Previously on Potterfic Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? <laughs> well, we'll like to start at the beginning. That would be awesome. My resolutions for this Potterfic Weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic Whatever. Oh, Scott. Did we, did we lose Scott? Okay, what did I miss? <laughs> Am I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. you are. You are. Apparently, I'm Jen, and I don't know my outfits. <laughs> No, she's the poster child for our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I snort. I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's two. That could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. (laughs) Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants. Not oh. trousers. Waterpick Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. <laughs> but I was planning on getting grammar anytime soon. Really, honestly. 
Sex and Snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snape. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> we'll always laugh before the end. I ought to think we please where the story never ends. Welcome to Potterfic Weekly, the show where we cover various fics in several chapters at a time, or occasionally one-shots, the original podcast in the Potterfic Weekly family of podcasts. And I am Scott. I'm Sue. I'm what? <laughs> I'm Sue. You said I'm too. I did not. <laughs> That's what I heard. I am Sue, and I'm older than two. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm sad that I'm but... also older than two, though sometimes I don't act like it. Mm-hmm. I'm listening and... to a POV weekly that hasn't aired yet, and Ryan calls me old in it. It's very sad. Aww. Aww, so sad. I know. And Ryan, Sue isn't old. Yeah, he's saying just... that I'm older than him, so. Well, yes. So... I mean, mm. there is that. Everybody's old relative to somebody, but that's um, true. Everybody's young relative to somebody too. So, dude, this weekend I felt so old. I bet. Mm. Yeah, and that so always many. changes things too. Just there were, on we're so many seventeen, eighteen-year-olds, and, and even the twenty-one-year-olds. I'm like, dude, my life is so different than yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sucks to grow up. It kind of mm. does. <laughs> It's still always weird to me that uh, I am the age that I am. I uh, I think of myself as anywhere from two to five years younger than I actually am most of the time. I thought you were going to say two to five years old. I'm like, well, that's usually how I think of myself because I work with four and five year olds. But okay. Yeah. Yesterday was my sister's thirtieth birthday, so I mean that's it, it, it's one of those weird things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be 25 in six months. And um, by the time this airs, I'll be 25. Going to be almost 50. Well, good for you. Yep. And mom's turning 70 this year. Wow. But we should start this story. It is called In Care Of, and it was written by Fangs Fawn. Mm-hmm. And, and you can find it on either fanfiction.net or Potions and Snitches. Um, the fanfiction.net version has an extra author's note chapter at the beginning. So when you go to the one that's labeled with a one, it's the author's notes and chapter one is actually chapter two and so on. So it's that's how this goes on. We actually didn't, we actually didn't cover that last. Like we just, I guess we kind of just figured out that, that they'd, uh, figure it out, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we're beginning with the story chapter six. But if you look at the web address on fanfiction.net, it is seven. seven. I love how we had to explain this. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's confusing. This is true. So, yep. And we have poor Snape. He's in a position that can be very uncomfortable and unpleasant when he's in the form of a man. But he it's so comfortable and restful when you're a bat. Which means that he's hanging upside down. Yes. Because in the last chapter, I believe, um, Harry has just organized some little construction of chicken wire or something so that he can do that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, as a person that sometimes works enough to have a backache, 
being able to hang upside down would be really nice, but I wouldn't want to do it for very long. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess when you're a bat, it's just normal. So he's quite comfortable. Yeah, yeah, the way of things. I like how Snape's thought process is, is so meticulous and slow with mm-hmm. this progression because now he's thinking, hmm, well, I expected Potter because he's a normal child to, you know, hit me or, you know, throw me out the window or, you know, do something very violent when I bit him. But no, he he acted, you know, calm. calm. He didn't panic. Mm-hmm. He showed he restraint. Followed the hitchhiker. He followed the Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> yes. I'm sure Harry always knows where his towel is. Mm-hmm. Always. Help Galaxy. You want to survive out here? You gotta know where your towel is. Okay. Give me a hand over here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, yeah. So he was restrained, and Snape has to kind of admire that. Mm-hmm. because he himself is not nearly that patient, and he would have probably reacted. So he's thinking, you know, it's just another building block on this, because he's started off with the the normal uh, feelings that he's had for Harry. You know, he's spoiled Potter and Yeah, Potter, he's spoiled rotten, he must be pampered and all this stuff, and now he's gradually seeing, okay... They get him up every morning. He's got to make breakfast. If he doesn't, he's going to get in trouble. Dudley has a really shabby room. Yeah. Dudley has this beautiful room with all this stuff in it, but he was very uncomfortable while he was there. And, you know, there's just these little, it's just these little things that are adding up and adding up. And pretty soon he's going to have this real epiphany of, I've been wrong all of this time. And Potter is not who I thought he was. Lie to me. And it's coming. Yeah, and I just, these chapters are great. Mm-hmm. Just as they, the switch happens and suddenly he realizes, because now he's thinking about his father and how, you know, he's almost in a way become him because his father was very, you know, rough spoken and, and didn't, didn't look at, at things for what they were. Mm-hmm. He, you know, assumed. And he's kind of, you know, I like how Snape's kind of hating himself because he spent so much time trying to get away from that. And yet he's, you know, here he is assuming that, that you know, St. Potter is much be pampered at home and is waited on hand and foot and never has to do anything. And good for, you know, Petunia for trying to get some responsibility into him mm-hmm. when, you know, it's, then suddenly it, it's, it's switching to, his life isn't really all that shiny. Right. His, he, his childhood and my childhood were a lot more alike than I ever thought possible. Right. That's what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he, then he starts thinking about the death art, you know, he starts thinking about how Lily was the only one who was able, ever able to tease him like a friend and tease him lightheartedly mm-hmm. without him just totally reacting and overreacting. Yeah. And then he's like, even the Death Eaters had not been his friends. There were only three people in the world who Snape had ever loved. And two of them were dead. One was Lily. One was his mother. And the last one is Albus. Mm-hmm. You know. They're the only ones who ever really treated him well, particularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting to see um, in his thoughts about his father how he's 
Um, the ways that he's completely different and the ways that he's somehow become the same as well as Kat was saying, like, um, he's distanced himself from all the ways that his father, um, acted. He tries to be very, um, precise and soft spoken and, uh, rather than being, uh, rude and, uh, overbearing, he's, uh, and he, uh, you know, controls his movements a lot. He didn't get into the athletic things because his, his father was a big, um, a big man for, um, that kind of stuff. And so he, pursued all the intellectual pursuits and went into potions and didn't ignored Quidditch and all of that stuff um, right. and broadened his mind. And, and he has become in some of those ways, a quite different man from his father. And yet some of the general attitudes towards things still managed to creep in. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, well, it's, it's, it's sibling rivalry essentially because, you know, he loves Alvis and he only loves Alvis at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, but Alvis loves Harry. Right. And, you know, so Snape's jealous of that. So, you know, it, it's, um, and it, it, it's kind of interesting that, that, you know, they have this kind of weird brotherly relationship, even though the two loathe each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it, well, it, it's very. There's a lot of siblings that loathe each other, so. This is true. That far out of the realm of possibilities, but. Yeah. Um, but I like that this, this scene breaks the, where it is, cause, you know, okay, so we've gotten Snape to the point where he understands that Harry's childhood was, was similar to Snape's own childhood and it was not necessarily happy. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna take it a step further. And this is, you know, he's asleep and he's awakened by loud voices and, and, you know, all he hears is dinner, he smells dinner cooking, he hears, you know, useless, worthless, abnormal freak. Yeah. And then just mm-hmm. lots of heavy sounds. And then Harry comes upstairs. And he's with, 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 with no meals for tomorrow or the next day. So, that, right. you know, they, they're starving him again. Right. And he's got a bloody nose. Um, and he's bleeding. Um, and his aunt comes upstairs and says, use this ice to stop the bleeding. Don't get any blood on the floor. Mm-hmm. Or the bed. Or anything else. Or the else bed. Or matter. anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. And she says, and then, why must you set him off? And Harry's like, I didn't say a word. And she said, yeah, but you gave him that look. And, you know, he started in on Harry's parents again. Yeah. I give him the look, too. Yeah. And 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 it's do as you're told. No back talk. No science. Mm-hmm. They want a robot. They do. They want mm-hmm. a slave. Yeah, a house elf. Mm-hmm. Even but like even house elves even house elves react. Even slaves react. They want a robot. They want someone who can just. They can. They want a punching bag mm-hmm. that does stuff for them. Yeah. And you know. Yeah, and her parting shot to him is just you know. It's the least you can do, isn't it? After all we've done for you, it's not like we were giving a choice about taking you in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and all the chores, all the stuff that you do is what you owe us because we have given you a roof over your head and clothes right. on your back and meals in your stomach. But, yeah, he might have a roof over his head, but the clothes on his back are Dudley's and they don't fit. And the food in his stomach is more often than not not given to it. Right. Mm-hmm. But he still needs to be grateful for what he gets. And, he, and, even, and even when he's given it, he's always blessed Dudley. And, and I really, I love that, yeah. how the author writes this 
After a moment of pensive silence, Potter suddenly seemed to notice the cage. He came over and removed the cover. Hey, Spartacus, he said softly. For a long time, Snape and the boy gazed at each other. Finally, Potter spoke. I'm sorry, Spartacus. I'm afraid I don't have anything for you to eat tonight. I hope you get, I hope you got enough earlier. He paused a moment and then added, tomorrow. I'll feed you tomorrow, somehow. Then he went to bed and laid down, facing the wall. He made no sound at all. Yeah. And your heart just breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, what were you going to say, Scott? This is something that um, I think, or no, it, it is in here, that Snape notices the way Harry, um, Harry uses the ice pack, and that he's obviously had to stop a lot of nosebleeds before, mm-hmm. because he's, he does it so automatically. Yeah, and expertly. Mm-hmm. Because there's a, a correct way to stop a nosebleed and an incorrect way, and he's got it down. Yeah. Where a lot of people think you should lean back when your nose is bleeding and really you should lean forward mm-hmm. so that the blood doesn't run down your throat and right. cause you problems. And then your stomach. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you should put the ice pack on the back of your neck because that slows the blood flow. So, yeah. And this whole thing has basically shattered the bridge all of your nose of instead of the exceptions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, the nose is swollen. When he removes the ice pack, the nose is swollen, and there's a hand-shaped bruise, a shape of cheekbone. bone. Yeah. So there's no, there's no real way Snape can misinterpret this. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's already... no, there is no interpretation of this. It is what it is. What you see is what you get. And he'd already been coming close to realizing that obviously something weird is going on here. And before he'd gone to sleep, he. He's, it says he didn't want two and two to make four because um, obvious. Surely there must be some other explanation because then that he would have to admit that he was wrong if everything that he was seeing came together the way he thinks it's going to. And then this has just shoved everything over the line. There's no way he can deny anything now. Yeah, and he thinks about Lily and how she would feel if she could have seen her son stoically nursing a bloody nose with a calm and weary indifference that was frightful, frightening in its implications. So, mm-hmm. you know, he felt like claws drawn over his own heart. He's actually mm-hmm. starting to care. And right. And it, it's... I know what to do with this. Um, and it's it, it not... It's I, I like that this is an op, like this automatic papa caring. Pop, mm-hmm. it's, it's not Daddy Snape. No. Um, it, it, this is very, this is very much seated in, he is an educator, and educators look out for this stuff and don't put up with it. Mm-hmm. And they report it and they, you know, cause right. that's part of their responsibility. You know, it, it, it's very much in this attitude of, you know, he realizes Harry's been neglected and abused. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, he recalls, you know, the, the sentence, the thing that Draco said in Sorcerer's Stone that, you know, I, I do feel so sorry for all those people who have to stay at Hogwarts for Christmas because they're not wanted at home. And he remembers that Harry didn't react. He didn't, you know, he wasn't bothered by that comment. Right. Which, you know, most, most 11 year olds would be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I like he has this thought about, okay, if Harry really has been abused for most of his life, which he's starting to think has probably happened then he should have been sorted into Slytherin, and if not Slytherin, then either Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff, because that's where all the abused kids go. None of the abused kids go into Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. And so he's, you know, and it's really kind of interesting to have that thought, because 
okay, yeah, you can see that the Slytherins would be like that because they've learned early the art of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. Ravenclaws would escape reality in books and stuff like that. And the broken-spirited ones would, of course, go into Hufflepuff because, you know, we take the rest. But it's rare that they go into Gryffindor. And, you know, that's a really interesting thought because if it's somebody that is brave and is facing what's happened to them and is overcoming it, then you would think that that would be a place for them, that Gryffindor would be a natural spot. But a lot, I think I think his thought is um, it's very rare for people to overcome and i mean like at 11 for people right. for a child to be mature enough at 11 to have overcome the fact that their their family doesn't want them you know or wants them for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. i think that's where his motivation of thinking these things comes from is that it's rare that 11 year old would be certain or after facing all of this it's rare. I mean, we, we say it all the time on Puffwatt. You know, if, if this was reality, then Harry would be in an 8 by 10 padded cell. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and you know, be in the room you don't, next right, because you don't go through the things that, you know, the seven books cover on top of an abused, uh, uh, you know, an, an abused childhood mm-hmm. and come out of it okay. I love the fact that, that Snape is seeing that, you know, Potter's the exception to every role. <laughs> um, but he's laughing at it. He's laughing, he's, he's laughing at his joke. It's not malicious at this time. It, it's, you know, it, it's, of course, it's, it's the, of course this happens and it has to be Harry. It's, it's McGonagall at the end of Deathly Hallows Part 2 saying, you know, why is it always great? <laughs> Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yes. And it's interesting having Snape go over all of these thing, little things that he's seen and ignores because it didn't fit with his view of um, how things were supposed to be. Right. Because um, he's, he's noticed, you know, uh, Molly Weasley has disapproves of Harry's home life because she knows about the bars on the window the one time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, depending on the fan theory. Yeah. Um, there are he's noticed Harry doesn't get owls very often, but he didn't really put it together with anything. Right. Apparently in this, Albus and the Sorting Hat must talk, because um, he apparently let slip that uh, the hat had considered putting Harry in Slytherin. Mm. And so he's, he's realizing that Harry actually knows how to keep his mouth shut a lot of the time. And yeah. doesn't tend to turn to adults very much. Right. And <laughs> all of these things. And, you know, he's remembering Aquamancy sessions, and it, um, I think we'll get more into this later on, and that these judges, he thinks about the, you know, the, the Aquamancy lessons and all these flashes of memories that he took one way, probably, he's, he's realizing now probably means something entirely different. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant because, you know, he's figuring out that Harry's not told anyone about this. Because, you know, Ron can't keep his mouth shut for anything. And Hermione would have told McGonagall. He's shocked to, first of all, to pity Harry. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, of all these memories that Snape has seen of Harry's childhood and what he now realizes that they mean. And and second of all, he's realizing that Harry's far stronger than even Dumbledore gives him credit for. Right. Mm -hmm. And he has a, a moment where he's trying to 
think, oh, well, nobody's spotted that many signs of this before. Maybe it's new. Maybe it's because of the Dementor attack. But he can't right. manage to fool himself because Harry uh, was too not complacent, but he, he was very weary of all this, and he just responded um, as if it was normal. If it, if it had been a new right. thing, you would have been able to. You would have been able to tell. Harry is very methodical in his actions, as if it has happened a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. And actually, it says that um, he hadn't spotted much of this during the occlumency sessions, and he's he's thinking maybe the reason he could always get in so much and Harry didn't manage to block him out more is that he was using his more recent unhappy memories of things like the graveyard and Dementors uh, to block mm-hmm. out showing Snape any of this. Right. Because he wanted to protect it. Because... Which I like because um, yeah. I don't believe in canon Harry was actually abused this much, but this um, gives plausible reason for no one to have spotted any of it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I said last week, the other goes a little further. I think, um, I, the reason why I like the story as much as I do is mainly because it doesn't, you know, we're not throwing Harry down the stairs, but at the same time, you know, it's not ignored and, you know, the Dursleys never even, you know, would think of striking him because, you know, a frying pan was aimed at Harry's head in the first book in the you know second chapter. Right. So we know that the abuse was there if Harry's, you know, wise enough and, and has an experience enough to, to dodge it. And second of all, it's the kind of thing of it's broken noses and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, you know, Vernon Dursley, you know, break, trying to break Harry, every bone in Harry's body. Mm-hmm. And Harry's too, I want to say easy, and that's not quite the right word, but he's, you know, he just calmly keeps going about his own thing. If this was something right. new, then Harry would be reacting much different than what he's reacting to because this is oh, yeah, he'd be, part he'd of be, Harry's life. If this were new, then Harry would be sending elves up. Yeah. You know, the, the, the whole, you know, fact that Harry has a quote-unquote saving people thing and is putting himself last, including in how in, in uh, the next couple of scenes, Harry, you know, sacrifice. He he is able to get food for Snape, and he doesn't eat it himself, even though he's got, got no food for two days. Right. He gives it to Snape. Well, although so in the next scene break, we have a scene break, and then we have tap 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 tap, and yeah. Pig is at the window, and Arrow That's two right, yeah. from Molly, and Molly knows that they're on a quote, diet at the Dursleys. And so she's been sending meat pies and, and different things. And probably she's keeping him alive because he doesn't oh, get yeah. enough no, and food from the Dursleys to really keep body is. and soul together. And she's been sending these care packages. And I feel like it's it's not... I, I don't think Mrs. Weasley knows that he's, she's keeping Harry alive. Oh, no. I think it's more of, you know, Harry's way too thin... Here's a bunch of stuff. Right. <laughs> and she'd probably she be horrified. But, uh, right. She'd be yeah. horrified if she knew what her meat pies are actually being used for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that he, you know, he says, oh, look, it's Arrow 2, and there's meat pies, which you won't care about, but there's also fruit tarts, and you'll like those. 
And mm-hmm. he says, here, come on, pig. And Snape's like, pig? Why would Dr. <laughs> we usually come up with a name for an owl like pig? That's the so he sends Pig back with a letter to Ron immediately, but Eros, Errol stays because he can't make it back. And I right. love that he says, you think you can spend the night in the tree? And he very carefully sets him out in the tree so he can sleep because <laughs> there seems to be a bat in my owl cage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Spartacus would not appreciate the company. No, not at all. And he... You know, picks up Sharon's letter and he flings himself on his bed and he sort of relaxes into reading it. And yeah, and I I, I love Harry's stupidity here because <laughs> it's very it's very much you know he's still a teenager he's you know wise beyond his years and he's been abused and you know has the saving people thing but he still thinks he assumes that Mrs. Weasley knows that they're withholding food. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I love what he says, you know, he has this dialogue with the bat. He's like, it's a three-page letter. That's pretty good for Ron, you know. He'd be the first to tell you he's not much of a letter writer. I hear from Hermione much more often. And, you know, yeah. he starts to think, and he says, I've got great friends. I can really count on them, you know. And yeah. And then the whole, you know, Ron's jealousy comes up. And I kind of like this because this is, it's been a year and a half since Ron you know, ditched Harry because he got jealous. Mm-hmm. And we finally get to hear what Harry thinks. And this, I really think this is what Harry thinks about Ron's jealousy. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, he, intellectually, he understands that, you know, Ron hates being poor, but, you know, he'd give Ron all the gold in his vault for the chance to have a family. Oh, yeah. he trade in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he, he kind of, you know, leans back and he's, he starts being really introspective and he says, It's funny, Spartacus. There's a lot of people who like me, think I'm something special without ever having met me, and for no reason at all. I think Ron was a little like that at first. Mm-hmm. And then he's kind of quirks and he says, There's also plenty of people that can't stand me without ever having met me for no reason at all. Snape was like that, I think. <laughs> and Snape shifts restlessly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, he starts talking about how he didn't understand why Snape hated him until mm-hmm. Dumbledore. Right. And, he, and even Dumbledore didn't tell him everything. He mm-hmm. just tells him bits of the truth. And he says, you know, it worries me sometimes that Dumbledore, Dumbledore's really good at only telling part of the truth. And uh, Snape's like, yeah, that right. worries me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he talks about and the, and and he's he, And he's talking about how, you know, it's, it would be okay if, if Snape didn't like or hated Harry for, for being Harry, but it, it, it kinda, it, it doesn't, he doesn't like it, the fact that Snape doesn't like Harry because of James. Mm-hmm. Because Harry can't control that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, and, and now he's revealing to Snape that he knows that Snape's a Death Eater. And he understands you know, he understands why Dumbledore trusts him because of what happened the night Siri died is, you know, Snape covered for Harry and then, you know, went off and figured out what was going on. And Sirius wasn't in danger, but, and, and, but Harry had no reason 
to trust that Saint was going to figure it out, like, you know, figure it out and take care of it. Right. So, but he understands that Snape did the right thing and that he understands why Dumbledore trusts him, mm-hmm. which I kind of like because, you know, book, book six is all of like, oh, should we trust Snape? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I kind of like mm-hmm. that. Well, Snape doesn't, or, well, sorry, haha. Well, Harry doesn't trust Snape. He understands why Dumbledore does. Right. And he, he talks a little bit about the prophecy and Snape's ears perk up and uh, he says, well, I don't want to think about that now. Goes yeah. to his wardrobe and gets pajamas. And when he takes off his shirt, Snape can see blue finger marks on his left shoulder. And mm-hmm. All he can think of is, I have to get him out of here. But, yeah. you know. We have to get out of here. We have to get out of here. It's no longer I have to get out of here. Right. And we switch yeah. again. And we go back 15 years to when Snape has set himself a task that he intends to devote the rest of his life to. Protecting Harry Potter. Because it is the last, best, and only service he could do for Lily Evans. Who, right. always, always, using that word, has been the love of his life. After all this time, always. Yeah. So. And, you know, I love that we get to see kind of like the after album of like Snape's cute, this huge revelation that Snape has mm-hmm. as, um, uh, of it's not daddy Snape. It's not, you know, even teacher. It's more of, this is the child of his friends. And, you know, how could I have, you know, lo- looked at him and only seen James. Right. Because in, in chapter seven, back then we, um, Harry takes his glasses off and Snape notices that without his glasses on, Harry looks like Lily. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, he just and thinks so. About how, um, things have been for him over these years and, you know, he doesn't really care what people think about him. So he's been, uh, he's been free to, um, just act however he liked because he didn't really want people to like him. He didn't feel like he deserved it. And um, he's been deliberately observing as little as possible about Harry because he just doesn't want to think about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now he's basically being forced to see all this stuff that he's ignored. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're stuck there for uh, another three weeks because it says that the next three weeks had assumed a sort of routine. And he's mm-hmm. getting to see, okay, well, on the weekdays, Harry's up at 630 he gets to get up an hour later on weekends and he's got all these chores to do and he, you know, has to prepare breakfast and then he comes back and takes care of the bat. I almost said owl. Wow. Um, and then he goes out and does this list of chores that he has. And he's gone. And he's gone. Okay. And he's exhausted when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, and he smells of everything from, you know, sweat and grass clippings to turpentine and cooking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Snape knows that they're basically treating him like a house elf and making him do everything. Um, and yeah, it, it's, and, and this is where I got the fiend fire reference from, from last mm-hmm. week, because it's healing so slowly that Snape thinks that Bellatrix was using fiend fire. And I love the fact that he's, you know, such that the educator that he has to give her, you know, kudos for her control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Because normally fiend fire wouldn't be shaped like that very easily. It's just a blast of fire. 
Right. And I love how he actually in notices that, um, that Terry's doing fairly well at the whole healing thing. Mm-hmm. You know, an actual healer would have done better, but uh, he's been right. doing not too badly. Yeah, especially right. for what he was up well, against. Well, and and Saint knows that he's well practiced at this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I I love how you know they kind of mocked it in the movie, but I love how. Um, Saint realizes that in private, Harry is even more disgusted by, you know, the chosen one uh, propaganda stuff than Snape would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He, he reads out the prophet to his bat to uh, try and um, keep him calm, I guess. Right, and, well, uh, he is Sometimes he sings, mm-hmm. which he never does at school. No, because he's not very good. Or he thinks he's not very good. Right. Yeah. But, and he, he just... He confides all of this stuff in Snape. You know, he just rambles on and talks and talks. And Snape. Him. And it's, you know, Snape's like, Harry would prefer spilling all of this to Filch before saying it to me. If, if he had known, if he knew this was me, he would never, ever do this. But because he doesn't know, Snape's getting this huge education on what it's like to be Harry Potter. And mm-hmm. it's not what he thinks it should be. Yeah. And Snape would, if he had any choice, Snape would never um, sit there and listen to any student talk of st- about stuff for hours because he just, he's bored by teenagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but somehow it, he's got a ca- captive audience and uh, he sort of learns more than he really wants to learn. Yeah, he does. We've lost Cat. She's having trouble coming back. One of the interesting things that comes out of this is um, Snape really realizes how much Harry regrets going into his memories mm-hmm. the year before. Yeah. Because um, he doesn't feel like he should have violated an order member's privacy. Mm-hmm. My one thought um, is I do think that Snape gets um, the thing about uh, the blood call wrong. And I think that's... Um, Maybe, I guess, the author missed an opportunity or something. Um, I think that it would have been interesting if it had been written from the perspective of Harry didn't say anything because he's used to it and it's normal for him. Um, so it's not like a pride thing. It's more of a, well, I'm used to this, so I'm not going to say anything because... I deserve it. You don't want to put the, the... Yeah, I deserve it. Or, you know, you don't want to put the spotlight on the subject of abuse. Right. Mm-hmm. Because Cause then people make, might get suspicious. Yeah, or that's going to make other people feel bad, and I don't want other people to feel bad. I don't want other people's pity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And poor Snape. I mean, I know that I would just, like, absolutely be bored out of my mind, and Snape's pretty much doing the same thing. He can read mm-hmm. the Daily Prophet from the bottom of the uh, cage, because Harry uses the Daily Prophet to line the cage. And right. Harry talks to him and lets him know, you know, what's in the order letters and stuff, just because Harry's used to doing that with Hedwig. But there's not a lot for him to do. Right. And he's, you know, he meditates a lot of the time, and he reviews potions in his head, and he recites poetry and stuff like that, and he worries. Because his absence hasn't been commented on or noted in the paper or in any of the letters. Right. So he worries about Dumbledore because Dumbledore's keeping it a secret and Dumbledore must be worried about him. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, it's just, yeah. it's hard. And, and I, I mean, I'm with him. I wouldn't have lasted three days 
of yeah. right. anything to do. But he's also he's starting to look I, forward to Carrie coming to talk to him just because it's something different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, you know, now that Snape has had this revelation, I think that, you know, naturally, since he has nothing better to do, he's putting the rest of the building blocks together. He realizes that the recklessness and, and, you know, rule, rule breaking and all that stuff is, is probably less to do with biology and more to do with the fact that he doesn't trust adults. And it's not about a secret, you know, he doesn't think he's better than anybody else, but he thinks that in some ways he knows better because he's never seen an adult follow through. Right. Even with Dumbledore. Dumbledore hasn't followed through for Harry. Sirius never followed through for Harry. There's never been an adult that's actually been there mm-hmm. for him. And, you know, and he, he get he suddenly, he gets it. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, he realizes that he would have never made it in Slytherin. Right. Which we, you know, we know Harry would have, you know, I mean, there's death rolls fic, but I prefer my Harry to be in Gryffindor because I, I think that he really doesn't fit in to the Slytherin mindset, he's far too trusting and forgiving to to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that yeah, it, it's I would be bored out of my mind, but I think I would do the same thing that Snape was uh, did, which is just reassess everything that you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And he also notices, even though Harry is rambling about everything under the sun, he never mentions the Dursleys, just mm-hmm. in passing, maybe. But right. Very rarely does he bring them up at all, and there even are, though are he's still getting injuries. <laughs> there are continuous and minor no injuries and no food, and you know Harry just accepts it and doesn't. You know he does. I think the thing that that is is the most striking is that Harry doesn't even complain about it. No, he accepts it as his due. It's just that that's what it is. It's you know in in some ways. You know, and, and since realizing the language that Vernon uses, you know, abnormal freak. Right. And what that means. And, you know, what Harry and must think of himself. he would recognize that because that's what, um, from remembering Petunia in the, right. the flashback chapters. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then we, uh, then we get to a scene where Harry is, he runs in, he's rushed, he's, you know, you know, look, we can't, you know, really talk. We, 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 you know, my uncle's coming up here to talk to me. Yes, talk to me. Um, I don't want you here for it. I'm going to move you to my cousin's room. Yeah. Um, so he dumps him in a hamster cage <laughs> and takes him into Dudley's room and leaves him there. And Snape's mm-hmm. like, uh, what the heck what just happened? happened? Yeah. <laughs> And this and is where he gets the definitive, um, the contrast between Harry's fairly shabby room and Dudley's room, which has everything, everything. in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just been painted, and he remembers seeing splotches of the same paint on Harry. So Harry has just painted it this week. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and the closet is huge and crammed with clothes, and, you know, a lot of the sizes, you know, are telling him. Snape that, you know, those are the cast-offs that Harry is forced to wear. Mm-hmm. He has nothing else. He has nothing else. And, you know, Snape realizes that how bad things are. Right. And then Harry comes back and he's some very later. pale. Yeah, quite some time later. He's very, very pale. He's tired. His voice is hoarse. 
and he doesn't really say anything, but he takes Snape back and then gives Snape some food and goes to bed. Yeah. And as he changes red, the oversized T-shirt slides down on shoulder, and Snape can see a welt. Yeah, mm-hmm. a dark red welt. And then we have Harry dreaming. And, right. You know, I listen to this on the text reader, so I don't get to see the italics. And so this mm-hmm. throws me every time I listen to it because I don't know what's happening until it gets going. And then I'm like, oh, I remember this. Okay. So he's yeah. sitting in the backyard having a much-needed break from cutting the grass, which we know Harry would actually do. And he's chilly because he was sweaty and the sweat's starting to dry on his body. And having been working in the yard lately, uh, having warm days and cool nights, I totally understand because I come in and I'm all hot and I sit down at the table. And the next thing I know, I'm shivering because it's, you know, all of a sudden it's cool and, you know, Mm -hmm. the sweat starts to dry and it's just awful. So he takes off his shirt and he's like soaking up the sun and then he thinks he's sunburnt. And he looks down, and there's snow on the ground, so he lays down, and he, you know, to put the cool, which I love, this can only be a dream, because you're getting sunburned at one thing, and you're you're standing in the snow on the other. And what he realizes is that he's on the scratchy sheets of his bed, and he's mm-hmm. just pretty much rolled over on his back. Right. Yeah. And it's 2.24 in the morning, and he'd really like some water, but he's afraid to go out, because he might wake Uncle Vernon, so he'll just rather be thirsty. Mm-hmm. Which is just so sad. So and sad. Snape is can't even go get a drink of water. And Snape is giving him a look of, you know, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to get out of here because this is not okay. Yeah. Um, because he's just taken off his shirt and, to change and, into um, hopefully easier clothes to wear. He changes into pajama bottoms, and then um, for the he decides not even to put the pajama top on. Right. And so right. Snape can now see the full extent of all the um, the welts and injuries. Welts. He's taking his T-shirt off. Yeah. And he's talking to Snape about it, and, you know, he doesn't know what people would think about him if people knew about it. Right. And he um, never tells them. And there's shame there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, big, big Harry Potter who has saved the school... How many times from Voldemort? Mm-hmm. You know, can't even, you know, is it, brought low by a muggle. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the most heartbreaking part of this is he's, you know, he talks about, well, I think Hermione suspects, but Ron, he's just clueless, so he doesn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And I wonder about Dumbledore. I don't know if he suspects or not. And part of me thinks that he does know because he knows everything and he wants this to be happening to me. Or he thinks that Harry deserves it. Or, yeah, he thinks that Harry because, deserves it. And, because yeah. sometimes Harry thinks that he he deserves it, mm-hmm. which is common. Oh, yeah, it's very common for children that are abused. It's their fault. That's what the abuser wants the abusee to think, that they mm-hmm. deserve it, that they brought it on themselves. You, you are the one making me hit you. Right. I mean, how many times have you heard that or seen that in stories or whatever? Of abused mm-hmm. people, and it doesn't even have to just yeah. be kids. It could be women. You looked mm-hmm. at that man, so now I have to beat you because you you looked at that guy. What kills me is Go ahead. yeah, and this this is very you know common, but you know Vernon gets angry because Harry doesn't yell out or cry anymore because he won't give yeah you know, Vernon the satisfaction, but he couldn't if he wanted to because you know he got punished for crying when he was a kid, and he learned not to cry. Right. 
Yeah, you can't cry. I almost cried for Cedric, but I couldn't. I couldn't do that in front of people, and I didn't even feel like crying for serious. You know, and I, I, I it breaks my heart. Um, when Cedric died, well, Mrs. Weasley was holding me, and no one has ever held me like that before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, his voice drops to a whisper. And that much we know is canon, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's referenced in canon, that he's never had someone just hug him like that. Because right. Cedric's things don't do that, and it's awkward between students, so they usually don't do that either. And, right. Yeah. But Mrs. Weasley wouldn't let that stop her, and she did right. in that case. And I don't think she knew. <laughs> no, she doesn't know, but, you know, that's true. But, you know, it's Mrs. Weasley doesn't let the awkwardness stop her. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Weasley hugs everybody. Just a hug in person. Right. So now it switches to Stan's perspective, and, well, Harry goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Um. And, um, I, the, the parting shot that he ends the night with is, I only have one more summer after this one. Then I'll be of age and can leave Privet Drive for good if I live that long. Yeah. God. <laughs> mm. uh, I just want to knock some sense into Harry. <laughs> um, and then it switches to Snape's perspective and we, we, as the reader, see how, how bad it was. Mm-hmm. And he, he, Snape's shocked. I, I get the feeling that not even his father did anything this bad. Right. Yeah. Oops, his his father was, um, well, he was a drunk, and he um, right. would hit people when he got a- angry when he was drunk, and then mm-hmm. cry about it the next morning. Or And because, partly because he's drunk, it was easier to avoid getting hit and things like that. Um, right. Whereas Vernon is doing this, completely sober and deliberately and it's mm. that much worse right and, and and i i don't get the impression that um tobias would have ever um bothered hitting somebody with a belt he was more of a fist guy mm-hmm. so right you know. and and there's also the fact that you know snape at least had his mother to offset and you know at least his mother touched him with love mm-hmm. when he was all so yeah. he remembers that. Harry doesn't even remember that. Harry doesn't remember Lily holding him. No, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I like the the moments when um, Harry's kind of trying to have some sort of positive contact, so he starts stroking the bat, and mm-hmm. Severus just freezes, and he, he's on the point of um, scrambling away because he's not used to being uh, touched either. But um, in the end, he just decides to, that this is something he can do um, for Harry, is allow right. him to derive some comfort from this. So, mm-hmm. and, and he says, it's not exactly as abhorrent as he thought it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why I love, this, and, the, and this is why I love the story, even after then Snape is still Snape. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about this, and I have Alex, who has come back, and he's laid stretched out. He's stretched out along the side of my computer on his back with his feet in the air. And, you know, and I'm just sitting here petting him while we're talking, and he's completely content. And (laughs) lucky for me, he's not purring, or we'd all hear it. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for just being stroked. And I think both of them got something out of it. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Snape's just not admitting it to himself. Mm-mm. And he and he seriously considers transforming. And 
but he, he doesn't want Harry to know that he's been the one that's been privy to all of Harry's thoughts. Right. Because he, you know, he doesn't know how Harry's going to take it. So he's thinking to himself, if I can just get well enough, I can leave and come back for him. But if right. this happens again, I'm going to transform and I'm going to save us both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's finally getting, getting close to healed enough that he could manage it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's scene break again. And it's Dudley's birthday. Oh, yay. Oh, huzzah. <laughs> and that's bad because Dudley's friends are coming over and Dudley's friends who do not know about the wizard stuff um, are curious about Harry right. because they want to go Harry hunting again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's pretty much just one. It's um, Piers Polkas. Yeah. He, he's bored because um, Dudley's still eating and he wants to play video games. And so he pokes his head into Harry's right. room and it's like, whoa, cool. There's a bat. And well, Dudley's yeah. like, yeah, you like, don't want to go in there. It's an owl. It's an owl yeah. cage. My my cousin has an owl. Really? How come? That's so cool. It delivers letters and stuff. Really? That's neat. How do you get him to do that? And then he looks at it and he's like, uh, hey, Big D, I hate to tell you this, but this is called a bat, not an owl. <laughs> Dudley's like, I know, I know. I don't know what happened to the owl. So Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want peers to be doing anything in Harry's room. He just wants to get him out of there, but he's not doing a very good job of it. No, so he keeps saying things that make him more interested. Yeah. Dudley, Dudley, uh, reveals that apparently he's, Harry has always had this helping people thing mm-hmm. and he used to help injured animals when they were younger and Dudley would kill him behind Harry's back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in one of the earlier chapters, we had Harry talking about how he used to try mm-hmm. and, um, take care of animals, but they always died and maybe he'd do a better job now. Yeah. And, uh, that he was older. Yeah. It was deadly the whole time. Deadly was yeah. coming out. And so we move on <laughs> to the last chapter that we're doing tonight, chapter 10, and Harry's walking home from the store and he's thinking to himself, I need to make more Essence of Murtlap. I need Essence of Murtlap badly. And his, mm-hmm. you know, he's got all these bags of stuff because Petunia forgot a few things and sent him to the store for the last minute stuff. And he's coming back just laden with bags because, yeah, Petunia always forgets more than she thinks. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he was happy to get out of the house. Um, one, it was less time that he had to be around Dudley and Piers. And it also gave him a chance to clear his head after the altercation with Uncle Vernon the day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just as well that this time Vernon hasn't hit him anywhere people can see, so he's mm-hmm. allowed to go out. Yeah. So he's on his way, he sees the house, and he kind of slows down because he doesn't really want to do all the stuff before Didikin's birthday dinner, but he knows he's got to get everything unloaded and then get the shrubs or the hedge trimmed or he's going to be in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And we discover that there's someone watching as well. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. Harry crosses the wards, there's a man on the other side of the street who watches for a moment and then disapparates. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to Snape and the two boys. And Snape's like frozen, hanging upside down in the cage, going, Oh, crap. Now what do I do? And Pierce is kind of, you know, walking around the cage and saying things as he does, and thinking about poking at him and stuff like that. And 
And Della's nervous around it because mm-hmm. it's Harry's and he doesn't know what, whether it's bewitched and, you know, it could be a vampire bat. And, you know, Harry's like, oh, come on, it's, it's teeth are too small for that. And yeah. <laughs> I love Snape. <laughs> Ask Potter, he'll tell you about my teeth. Yeah, he'll tell mm-hmm. you how, how sharp they are. And he's like, look, Big Diggy, he's got a dish of fruit in there. He's a fruit bat. And Deadly looks and goes, hey, that's my kiwi. That freak wasn't even supposed to have food today. And Pierce is like, let's get him out of there. That'll be cool. We can go show him to all our mates. And uh-huh. Dudley's not real thrilled with this idea, but he doesn't want to look like he's a wuss either. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and Snape tries to look as threatening as he can, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he's trying to be scary, and, and Dudley's like, I don't think it's very tame. And Pierce is like, if you're... If Harry can bandage it, then we should be able to hold him and touch him too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he and he's fast. He reaches in and he has a hold of Snape before Snape even knows what happened. He grabs him by the neck and mm-hmm. drags him through the door and <laughs> flicks him on the head so he's yeah. stunned. <laughs> and is just generally not uh, the best of approaches with animals. But mm-hmm. And his head is wrapping you know, hand and fingers around his windpipe and lungs. Well, yeah, that's when Dudley gets a hold of him because Dudley's like, ooh, let me have a turn. Yeah. No, Dudley, he doesn't share well. No. Nope. So he has to be able to have it first. And Snape bites him. Yeah, thinking that he'll drop him, but yeah. he doesn't drop him. He just starts to squeeze. Yeah. yeah, and now Snape's in big trouble because this spoiled, obese, petul- petulant muggle boy is pretty much just squeezing the life out of him. Right, and he has this sudden vision of Potter burying him in a shoebox and having a little funeral <laughs> service over him, and he's like, "Hmm." And no one would ever realize what became of Sir Snape. Yeah, mm-hmm. he makes this terrible pain squeal. Just uh-huh. as Harry is putting groceries down and Harry hears him. Right. And he goes tearing up the stairs. And Dudley's like, it bit me! <laughs> You're keeping dangerous animals in here. Just wait until I tell Dad. And Harry just slams into him, lowers his head and just rams into him. Yeah. And makes him drop him. And then, you know, and, and his whole, I mean, he's focused on getting Snape to safety and he gets a hold of him and just like flings him underneath the bed so that he'll be safe. Right. And then Dudley punches him right in the face. That's it. You know, he's got it. He's being punched in the eye and the mouth and his nose is broken. And well, actually I think Dudley's nose it's is the one that actually gets broken. Right. So. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he gets cracked ribs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and, 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 and Dudley is, um, is saying, you know, dad's gonna half kill you, and then he'll, he'll kill Spartacus, or he doesn't say Spartacus, but, um, and Harry, of course, having the saving people thing that he does, says, I'll give you anything if you don't t- tell your dad anything, and he wants the invisibility cloak, mm-hmm. which I don't know how he knew about, but he apparently knows that. Yeah. And Harry doesn't know how he knows about it either. Yeah, which is a nice little plot plot point. Mm -hmm. Um, And Harry's like, man, this is from Dumbledore, and it used to belong to my dad's. And then he thinks about Spartacus, and he's like, okay, I'll do it, but you can't have it it until after I let the bat go. And Dad is like, all right. Agreed. Mm -hmm. 
And now he has to find out whether his mat is dead or not. Okay. Yep. And he, you know, finds his torch and looks underneath, and it's barely got a heartbeat. Right. And he pulls it out. He doesn't know what to do, you know. I can splint things and stuff, but these are internal wounds. And I don't know anything about internal wounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Normally I'd just go to Hagrid, but there's nothing I can do there. Yeah. So. Right. And he and- thinks about running for the night bus, but that didn't last very long in third year. And now things are on tighter security and everything because of the Death Eaters. So. Mm-hmm. And he makes, you know, a new bed for Spartacus and... Uh, there's some, some medications, some potions, mm-hmm. instead of taking them himself, cause, yeah, punishment's coming. Yeah. Um, and, and then we switch perspectives, and see is floor that Harry would offer one of the last thing, I think it's the last thing that he has a, of his father. Right. In trade or Snape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, you know, he tries to stretch and he's got knives through his chest because he's got broken wing ribs and he's just, you know, mm-hmm. Spartacus, how you doing? And Snape looks at Potter and he's like, you know, he's pale and stuff. And Potter's like, listen, Spartacus, I can't take you out of here like I did last time. And my uncle's going to come up and you have to be quiet. You can't let him see you. Everything's going to be okay. Just be calm and be quiet. And Snape's just like freaking out, but there's nothing he can do because he's back in the cage. And then we hear, boy, get down here now! And he's mm-hmm. like, just be quiet, just be quiet. And he runs downstairs and Snape, all Snape can think of is, why didn't I wake up before I got put back in the Why? Yeah, because then he could have transformed and got them out of there. Mm-hmm. But he can't while he's in the cage because of well, trying to fit a full-grown man in an owl cage is not a good idea. <laughs> it's not. You kind of think that maybe transforming would break the cage, but that would be a, you know, if it didn't work, that would be really bad. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's re-injured now, so all of his healing is, almost all of it is back to square one. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And he's trying really, really hard to figure out what to do, and he's, like, circling his cage and... And stuff, and uh, but you know, and that's you can't find a way out. No, nope, there's not a way out. And that is the end of the chapter. That is the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. This is always a tough one. Yeah, it's, between ten and eleven, it's a bad but, place to. Yeah, leave. but eleven a, starts a whole, whole new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a good cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, I guess you'll just have to come back next time to find out what happens. Yep. Or, I mean, yeah. you can do what I did last week and read the whole thing instead of um, just reading our set You read the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm glad that it was good enough that you thought so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to read the first weird. five because I, I usually try and keep to whatever we're going to cover, but I ended up reading the whole thing and going on to the sequel, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of proud of myself. It really is a fun story. I mean, well, it's not fun, but I mean, it's a great story. And I love watching Snape have to realize that Harry is not who he thinks Harry is. And not not turn into touchy-feely daddy Snape. This is a very good way of having Snape come to realize, um, come to see Harry differently because he's forced to spend um, five weeks with him and can't get away and can't ignore things the same way he usually does. Mm-hmm. So and he's there 24-7. Like, uh, so it's- Dumbledore just tells him to uh, 
give him extra potions lessons and somehow they manage to become friends. It's uh, It's not even like that they're friends anymore. It's more that Mm -hmm. from what I bring from this set of chapters that Snape realizes that Harry doesn't have any adult that is just there for him. Right. And, And, you know, it's been said like that in other, you know, Snape finds out about Harry's uh, childhood fix. Um, but I think this fix does it the best in that even after Snape finds out, he's still snarky and, and you know, he's not suddenly touchy-feely toward everybody. And, and he still thinks, you know, Hufflepuffs are for the broken-spirited and... Because we take everybody. Um, mm-hmm. He still, you know, has his prejudices. It's yeah. just more of the idea of his prejudices on one person are removed. Mm-hmm. And he sees what yeah, it, this, it, that it is. This is one of the stories that does that well. It, it, uh, it takes long enough to make any change. Because people in general, let alone someone as... Um, stubborn and set in his ways as Snape generally seems to be, um, take a long time to change their conceptions of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, once, once you have that first impression or especially in the, in a case like this, where you've been building up your opinion of someone over five years, uh, mm-hmm. it takes, it's going to take time to change what you think. And, there are other fics that um, take that time and also do it well, but right. um, there are a number of um, fics that try and have give them a relationship that really don't either don't take the time or don't show it very well. Where yeah, they'll so, say, I mean, you know, oh, it's been six months, but it's really just last chapter and now this chapter. Um, it's whereas also this one, you I, get the sense of the time passing and the change happens gradually, right. and you know. Well, it's also, I mean, I've seen, you know, their BFFs all of a sudden, lovers sometimes, you know, you know, father and son, like, it's, it's, you know, instant bond, and oh, I totally get that, and, you know, I like the fact that that it never crosses a line of any familiarity between the two characters, Mm -hmm. because Harry doesn't know that he's telling these things to Snape. Right. That's what makes so this story. Right. Harry it's, it's, is much more open when he thinks he's alone. Right. So there's still that barrier. It's more of now Snape's aware of, you know, Harry thinks he deserves this. Harry thinks that Dumbledore knows that this is occurring. As a teacher, he needs to correct that. But also as, you know, Willie's friend. Right. He needs to correct that. Mm-hmm. And as, as someone who cares about Dumbledore as well. He doesn't right. want Harry really thinking that of Dumbledore. It crosses, it, it doesn't, it, the story does a nice job of, of having Snape being a, a decent human being mm-hmm. and like kind of the author allows Snape to be a decent human being without having him be nice. Right. Because mm-hmm. Snape isn't necessarily nice. No, Snape is not nice. He, he is decent. We know that from canon. We know that from the end of the book. But he's not nice. He was mm-hmm. deeply damaged, but yeah, he's, he's he's decent. He doesn't have people skills. He's never no. um, interacted well with other people. So it, it doesn't really make sense for him to become this 
charismatic, the hot potions teacher who everybody likes because right. he's been something so different from that for so long. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Although, you know, there are crack fix where that happens that are very fun, but they have right. to be crack fix. <laughs> yeah. For, you know, our favorite, a list of our favorite crack fix, I would just go to, oh God, not again. <laughs> it's really the only one that matters. Yeah. I quite enjoyed, um, recently, one of the ones that was recommended on the forum was, um, When in Doubt Obliviate, which is I Harry did, Gets Raised by Gilderoy Lockhart. And yeah. that was quite fun. <laughs> that was a fun I one. I just recently finished it. And, yeah. There's, oh God, not again. There's also one that I read, which was Harry, you know, Harry's, uh, I believe James Seconds was like a seventh year and they figured out that the Avada Kedavra, which is not really used before Voldemort, um, did not kill people. It merely sent their souls, you know, 60 years down the line, 40 years mm-hmm. down the line. Mm-hmm. So there are all these people that Voldemort, you know, and the Death Eaters killed and a bunch of Death Eaters that were killed by AKs, um, that are coming back. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it, it, it's very cracky. It's very funny just because it's, you know, oh, and your son is raised and he's got children. You know, congrats to your grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. But he was one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no grandparents now. And those kids are about to have, you know, kids of their own. So you're about to be great grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be quite a jump. <laughs> Uh, the 20 year old grandparents. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing, they keep their ages, so Harry, you know, their son is older than they are by a good 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Uh, yeah. Right, it's, it's, it's very cracky, it's very funny, I don't remember what it's called. Um, but yeah. Oh Maybe God, someone not against, will recognize the description. I think, oh god, not against probably like a favorite of Pofa. We really need to cover that next season. <laughs> well, maybe we will. Maybe we will. So, well, I hope that everybody comes back next time to find out what happens if Vernon kills Harry, if Snape escapes the cage. Uh, you will have to come back and find out. I think we know. I think we know what's going to happen. Do you? What's going to happen? Yeah. It's a fan fiction story. Oh. So it's, unless it's ending. Unless it's one of those cancer fics that Jen has read where Harry dies at the end. Yeah. Considering that there are five more chapters, I don't think Harry's going to die in the next one. But, no. uh, you know. <laughs> Still, it is kind of a dramatic place to leave off. Yeah. yeah. So, but again, I was just again, actually, um, chapter, so chapter 11 um, starts the new arc. And yeah. I understand why we cut it this way mm-hmm. because the, uh, I mean, the, the, the next scene's a little short and then we move into the next, you know, conflict, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we have to also remember that somebody's been watching the house. Right. Yeah. There's something going on. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And since I haven't read the end of this in a really long time, I don't remember what happens. So I'm going to be surprised as everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Well. So. Mm. I'm going to go to bed because it's very late. I was going to say, with that, yeah. we should say goodnight. Buenas noches. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, thanks for recommending this fic, Cat, because yeah, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. And, uh, you know, it's it's not a happy fic, but it's very well done. So yes, it is, and it makes you yeah. think. I like that. <laughs> good night, everybody. Not a happy fic kind of. Yeah. Good night. Yeah, I'm not a happy fic kind of girl. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.